I love it. I love it. Hey, um, at, the Valley of, uh, at the Valley of Elah, all the Israelite soldiers were on one side, right? And all the Philistine soldiers had gathered on the other side. And we just kind of see this same ritual playing out every single day, really for 40 days, is that this giant of a man named Goliath, he was nine feet tall. Um, he would come down into the middle of the valley and he would issue this challenge. It was called the, 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 the challenge of champions. And essentially he would say this, he'd say, today I defy the armies of Israel. Today I defy the God of Israel. Send out a man to fight me. If he beats me, we will all serve you, but if, we, if I beat him, you will all serve us. That is until a little shepherd boy named David was sent in by his father to um, go visit his brothers, go check in on his brothers who were Israeli soldiers. And his dad gave him some bread and cheese. David was the original Uber Eats. All right, and he, he rolls in on day 40 of Goliath making the challenge. He got the Kroger bags in his hand, sees his brother. As he's coming into camp, he hears Goliath making the, the, the mocking, the boasting. He sees all the soldiers shrinking back. He sees everybody kind of running away and just hiding their head. And he asks this in 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. He says, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? and removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Come on, Jesus. Don't you love it when somebody with some backbone walks in the room? Come on, all these trained soldiers, Saul, who stood uh, head and shoulders above everybody else, the king of Israel, everybody's shrinking back and this teenager comes in. And it's like, who is this punk? Who's that? I'll kill him. Nobody else gonna do it? Okay, I'll do it. But then all of a sudden, if you know the story, David's brothers start saying like, Shh, David, be quiet, man. Just, what are you about? Like, be quiet. The other soldiers are like, dude, just be quiet. But David's soul won't be quiet. And here's what he says in Psalm, or in verse 29. He says this. He says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? David surveys the landscape. He sees the, 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 the armies of the living God of Yahweh God, the ones who, who stand on the shoulders of the generations who have gone before him, who have seen the miracles of God. He, he, he looks around and they're all hiding. They're all shaking in their boots. And the, and the enemies of God are gloating, are boasting, are mocking. And David's soul says, guys, is there nothing worth fighting for? Come on, is this not something worth getting upset about? He's like, where's, where's all the passion? Where's the strength? Where's the fighting? And he says, is there not a cause? And this victory family, as we bring our families right into the crosshairs of our focus today is what I believe that the Lord wants to say to us. I believe that the Lord wants us to get these five words deep down in our soul to the point that they would never leave. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there anything in this world worth fighting for anymore? Like actually really worth it. I was reading an article this last week and the author was stating out the, the, the obvious. He said, you know, all this cancel culture, all the rage, everybody's getting offended about everything. And here's what he said. He said, this is a first world problem. You understand Afghanistan has different issues right now, right? They're not having the same arguments that we are. He said, this is what happens to a culture who's lost the plot. That when we don't have anything legitimate to be offended about, we start making things up to be offended about. And here's how I'd say it, okay, is that we live in a society where people care deeply about things that don't matter and they don't care at all about the things that do matter, right? Come on, I see, I see men paying more attention to their fantasy football teams than they do their own kids. Come on, I see wives paying more attention to HGTV and Chip and Joanna than they do their own husbands. Come on, I see more kids playing Call of Duty than they live on mission. Come on, and everybody's spending more time on Instagram 
than they do on the things that actually matter. And what's happening is the families are just drifting. Families are drifting apart. It's like, it's like they're just sitting in the middle of the ocean and just the just slow kids' hearts are drifting from their parents. Parents' hearts are drifting from the kids. Married couples' hearts are drifting from each other, right? Uh, um, the, the, so many hearts are just drifting from Jesus. Sexual sin is completely rampant. And to that, I would say, is there not a cause? Is there, is there nothing worth fighting for anymore? Listen, I've seen more families drift apart and break apart in this last season than I have in 15 years of ministry, right? You know, it didn't take me long after getting into ministry to realize that, that pastors don't get invited to parties. We get invited to car crashes, right? We, we get the call when the cancer comes back. We get the call when the family breaks apart. And those are the calls that I've been getting. Those are the emails that I've been getting, right? I, I, I've, sat, uh, I've sat across the table. I've looked into the eyes of the husbands who don't know what to do because their wives just left. I've looked at the desperate wives who are breaking down because their husbands just left. I've talked to the parents who, who are heartbroken because their children have just completely gone off the radar. Their hearts are chasing after the world. And to that I say, is there not a cause? And Victory Family, I'm saying this, we have got to learn how to fight for the right things once again. You know, I've, I, I've been married for almost 20 years, talked about that a few, a few weeks ago. I've got a now 16-year-old son who is driving, God help us all. Um, I have a 12-year-old who's in the middle of all the mess of middle school. So you better believe that we have some good arguments in the Bowie household. All right, am I the only one? You all have some, you all have some good, good arguments every once in a while in your household? Okay. But here's what I'd say to that, is that we are all used to fighting with our families, but here's today what I would call you to, is that we need to stop fighting with our family and we need to start fighting for our family. And if you need the reminder today, your family is worth fighting for. Come on, your vows are worth fighting for. Your spouse is worth fighting for. Your purity is worth fighting for. Your kids are worth fighting for. Leaving a generational blessing to your children is worth fighting for. Listen, maybe you're here and you're young. Your parents are worth fighting for. Your siblings are worth fighting for. The example of a godly family to a dark and desperate neighborhood and a coworker relationships is worth fighting for. And we've got to start fighting for the right things again. Nehemiah says this in Nehemiah 4.14. He said, I looked and arose and said to the nobles, the officials, the rest of the people. He said, don't be afraid of the people who are coming against you. Remember the Lord who's great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Is there not a cause? Is the family not worth fighting for? Is it not worth getting something in your soul, some passion once again for the things that actually matter? And so here's the question, obviously, if we're not fighting against our family, who are we fighting against? Because there's some fight in you, I promise. We're just putting it in the wrong place. So who are we actually fighting against? Who are we supposed to be fighting against? Here's the first one, it's the devil. Come on, somebody. We're fighting the devil. You just, we see this like on the second page of the Bible. All right, it doesn't take long there in your, your, your one-year reading plan. You probably did it on the first day, All right? We see Adam and Eve in the garden. The enemy comes in. The devil comes in, tempts Eve to eat. She does, but Adam doesn't get off. He eats too. And then God comes into the chaos, and he says, hey, guys, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, all the fingers start going everywhere. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's Adam's fault. It's Eve's fault. In fact, it's God's fault because he made Eve. Right, And they start blaming everybody. Adam and Eve are at each other's throats, but they're not even looking at the one who caused the whole situation, the devil, right? Jimmy Evans, Pastor Jimmy Evans, here, here's what he says. This is so good. He said, if you don't know how to do warfare with the devil, he will slither in, cause chaos, slither back out, and you don't even know you've been deviled. <laughs> if we don't acknowledge that the devil is at work in our families, 
He's at work coming to steal and kill and destroy your marriage, your kids. Listen, if you're a kid, he's trying to ruin your relationship with your parents. He's trying to ruin your relationship with your God. He's accusing everybody. He's the accuser of the brethren. If we don't realize this and acknowledge this, we will spend all of our energy fighting the wrong enemy. Come on, we will fight each other and we'll even fight God. You'll find yourself sitting back and you'll spend your whole time, if, if your whole life is complaining to God in prayer, you've got the wrong enemy. Oh God, my husband won't do this. My kid's doing this and they're doing this and you're not doing that. And the devil's just sitting back like. <laughs> I, I, I love this old quote. When Satan is working double time, be in prayer overtime. <laughs> because if we don't acknowledge the fact that we have an enemy of our souls, then we will spend all of our energy pointing our anger and our aggression at the wrong enemy, at the wrong enemy. So if we're not fighting against our families, who are we fighting against? We're fighting against the devil. The second one is we're fighting against the culture. Listen, there's, there's a cultural gravity in the world all around us. We are, we're living in a culture that cares about all the wrong things, right? We're living in a culture full of people who care more about celebrity relationships than their own relationships. Come on, my TMZ crew. Where you at? Come on, we care more about J-Lo and Ben. We're, we're tracking more with, we're, we're checking in on, on Kim and Kanye. How they doing? We're checking in more on them than we're checking in on our own families. Come on, somebody. When it gets quiet, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I know more people who spend more of their anger, more of their aggression, more of their energy trying to fight against waging a war to wear a mask and they, so that they don't have to wear a mask in Publix, then they are using their energy to fight for their families. Amen. We spend all of our energy online, well, tr and Trump's the one who really won, and our family's falling apart. Guys, we're fighting the wrong wars here. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And listen, if there ever was a time, we don't live it any, anymore, where the culture does not reinforce the kingdom. And so we cannot take our clues from the culture around us. We have to take our clues on how to live from the kingdom. All right? Because the culture does not value the ideas in, in, the, in the heart of the kingdom. And so we live in a world that doesn't value, value vows, right? And so marriage is take it or leave it. Marriage is, well, I don't feel like I love you anymore, so I guess we're supposed to get a divorce, right? Listen, you have a God who doesn't care what the culture says because culture changes, but God doesn't, right? And the problem is I even hear Christians buying into this and I hear Christians saying things like, well, you know, like, I don't know, pastor. Like, maybe we shouldn't have gotten married to begin with. I don't know, maybe, maybe I, feel, I feel like God's telling me I need to leave my family and go marry that woman. You think I'm joking. I get these conversations. I'm like, really, really, what, when did the devil tell you that? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. No, we don't, because the word of God is the will of God. And so we already know how God feels about this, all right? Malachi 2, guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Come on, for I hate divorce. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't know, maybe I need to hear, maybe God's gonna tell me, for I hate divorce. Did you hear him? I'm gonna say it again. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. And who said this one? The Lord of heaven's armies. Sometimes God has to remind you who's actually in charge. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Listen, this, this was a culture where women had no rights, and so they couldn't divorce their husbands, but their husbands could divorce them, and so we live in a different culture now, and so this applies to you ladies as well. <laughs> it applied, you didn't get an out, you didn't get an out. Here's what I'm saying. God hates divorce, but our culture doesn't. And so we have to avoid that gravity. We can't take our clues from the culture anymore, we have to take our clues from the kingdom. And so if we're, if we're not fighting against our families, who are we fighting against? We're fighting against the devil, 
We're fighting against the culture and we're also fighting against our sinful nature. Listen, I got news for you, just in case you didn't know this. The Father did not send Jesus into the world because we were great people. Jesus did not walk around expounding on the, the fundamental goodness of humanity. No, man, we are loved, but we are wicked. Come on, here's what Jesus says. These are red letters, Mark 7. He says, for from within, everybody say within. Out of a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. These are not, listen, leave that, leave that up there for a second. These are not things that the devil made you do. Come on, somebody. Yes, we do have an enemy called the devil. But if, you're, if you follow Christ, he cannot make you do anything. He can tempt you away, lust you away, offend you away, accuse you away. But listen, he can't make you do it. Here's what he does. He knows what you wanna do, offers you a carrot, and you gladly bite. That's what happens. And then we blame the devil when we're the ones who did it. Listen, there is a sinful nature in me, and there is a sinful nature in you that we have to allow Jesus Christ to come in and transform us to be born again and become a new person. Listen, our sinful nature cannot be changed. It has to be crucified with Christ so we can be born again and walk out in newness of life. And our chief sin is idolatry. If you ever wonder, what's the number one sin of humanity? It's idolatry. Here's what idolatry is. Idolatry is wanting pleasure and freedom on my own rules. Idolatry is saying, I call the shots. You wanna know why? Because I'm God. That's what idolatry is. Yeah, sure, we make idols of other things, but really that's because we're our own idol and I sit on the throne of my own life, right? This is, this is why sexual identity is all over the place right now. This is why same-sex stuff is all over the place right now. Why? Because we call our own shots. God, that stuff's old, it's outdated, it doesn't fit the culture because now I'm God and I decide what I wanna do. You, you wanna know where you see idolatry the most? On the interstate. <laughs> I am the king of this. All of you are peasants. All of you are in my way. All of you are just annoying my life. This entire road is about me. You ever see road rage? That's idolatry. Because I am better than you are, get out of my way. And guess what? We see the same thing in marriage. See the same thing in family. Husbands and wives say, I know that I'm supposed to keep my vows. I don't want to anymore. That's idolatry. We say, hey, I know the right thing to do. I'm not gonna do that. That's idolatry. I'm God. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can set us free from that the only one. And what all this has produced, all this, the, the, the attacks of the enemy, the culture subtly dissolving family, our sinful nature at war with everyone, it's produced, I don't have a better word for it than a drift. It's produced this drift where the love of many is growing cold and, and married couples, I see them drifting apart. I see us drifting from God. I see kids drifting off. I see parents drifting off. I see everybody just kind of doing their own thing because this is what I wanna do. And so there are those who are drifting, but what gets me is I see the families who are just letting it happen, who are just watching it happen right? Where, 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 where mom and dad are watching their kids drift and, or, or, or we're watching a spouse drift and we're embarrassed about it. Come on, somebody. So we don't say anything about it and we just privately hope it just works out. And then I get the call and it's all falling apart because yeah, well, this thing happened five years ago and we just kind of tried to, is there not a cause. Is the family not worth fighting for anymore? Let me tell you, it is. 
And I know, I know, I know, I know there are a thousand different situations. I know there are circumstances. I know maybe you're the one, you're the one who's watching that person drift and you've been fighting and fighting and now you're exhausted. I know some of you, you're the one who's drifting and you just got dragged in here with your spouse. I know some of you drifted and now there's a fracture. Now you just feel guilt and condemnation. I know there's others of you that, that, that you've already left a toxic, broken, affair-ridden, physically abusive relationship. And I'm not telling you to get back into that. But what I am saying is this, that we need to listen to what God is saying today. I know it takes two to make a thing go right. I know that. I know that. I know that. But what I'm also saying is this, is that some of us have resigned ourselves to a passionless, loveless, fractured family. And we just say, well, I guess that's how it is. And maybe you're sitting, I felt like the Lord wanted me to say this. Maybe you're sitting next to each other today, but you couldn't be further apart. I'm closer to you than your spouse is. And you're six inches apart right now. And what I'm saying is this, it is time to fight for our families again. You cannot control that person, but you cannot passively sit back and watch them drift into the gray. You can refuse to not let them go without a fight for their soul and a fight for this family. And here's what I'm saying. I cannot want your family to thrive more than you do. Because I sit in rooms and I look at husbands and wives and he's like this and she's like this. And I'm like, listen, guys, I want you to succeed more than y'all do. Get your fight back. Get your fight back. So listen, some of y'all are single today. Put this in your quiver, all right, because you're going to need it. Some of y'all hurt, some of you wounded, some of you just been abused in your soul. I pray that the Lord would heal you. But what I'm saying is this, is that even though there are many of us today who do not believe that a healthy, life-giving, thriving, successful, love-filled family is possible. Here's what I'm gonna say. What's impossible with man? Come on, somebody. is possible with God. So here's the question. How do we fight the good fight? How do we fight the good fight? How do we fight the good fight? Here's the first thing. We gotta dive into this. How do we fight for our families? Very simply, it starts with me and Jesus. It does. Now, I know you're like, oh, we're in church. All right. Yeah, we are in church. And so I'm gonna tell you the truth. Because whenever I sit down with somebody who's having marriage issues, I always give them the, I always say this first, right off the bat. I say, hey, I know every, everything inside you wants to go run and try and fix your family. But before you try and run and go fix your family, the first thing you need to do is go and fix you and Jesus. Before you try and fix your family, you gotta fix you and Jesus. In fact, here's how I'd say it, okay? Is that the best way to fight for my family is to surrender to Jesus. The best way to fight is to surrender. And because here's what happens. Too many people try and fix their families when their hearts are still jacked up. And this is usually why reconciliation doesn't work because you go back and you try and do it in your own strength. You're like, it's just round two of the same fight, right? Except now I'm gonna try, right? And so you do it for like a week, you do it for, for two weeks, but then the old you comes back out, right? And so you used to cuss her out, then you do it again. See, I knew, I knew here we go again, right? And it all falls apart. She used to hit him when she got angry, now she does it again. Used to be critical, used to be nagging, used to be nitpicking, you do it again. You do it again, you do it again. You used to do it, you did it again, why? because my heart's still jacked up. So listen, before I try and fix my family, I need to fix my heart. That's how this thing works. And I'm gonna give you the secret for every single healthy family. Here's the, here's the secret to every single healthy family. First John 4, 19. We love each other because he loved us first. That is, the, if you wanna know the secret, you wanna know how a family works. You wanna know how to have a healthy family. First John 4, 19. We love each other because he loved us first. Listen, because I cannot give what I do not have. And what our families need is the love of Jesus Christ, right? And so what, what is the love of Jesus? It's patient, it's kind, it's good. It's full of self-control. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not rude, it's not proud. 
Like, oh, I would love to have a relationship. Like, I've been trying to not be proud. I've been trying to actually be humble in my arguments. Well, get God's love. You spend all your love, you spend all your energy trying to be patient. What if you just got God's love and spent time with the patient one and allowed the patient one to rub off on you? And, and here's how it works, guys. Here's how it has to work. I get love from him so I can give love to them. That's how it works. And what it does, the love of Jesus, it makes me a whole person. Because listen, you gotta kill Jerry Maguire. You gotta kill him. You complete me. No, we don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you're an incomplete person and you marry an incomplete person, it's gonna be chaos. All right, I'm just telling you, marriage is multiplication, right? It's not addition. And so if you're half a person, they're half a person, you're gonna be a quarter of a person, which means you're gonna be worse off than when you got married because you were trying to leech off of each other and like be little parasites and I need you to meet this Jesus need in my life and you need me to meet this Jesus. But what would happen if I actually went to Jesus, got my needs met, then I wouldn't try and put God needs on my family. You're not affirming me and you don't appreciate that I work and you don't love me enough. No, I get love from, this is why we say this. Listen, if this is okay, this is gonna be okay. I get love from him so I can give love to them. Why do you think that, that, that remarriages don't work? Now, I'm just, listen, listen, listen. I know all things are possible with God. I know the room's full, right? okay. But listen, listen. That's why 40%, there's a 40% chance of divorce, right? You know, for the first marriage. Guess what? There's a 67% chance of divorce for the second marriage and a 74% chance of divorce for the third marriage. You wanna know what that tells me? It wasn't their fault. Give me grace. There is one consistent person in all of your jacked up relationships. It's you. Well, all men are dogs. No, you just keep dating dogs. Maybe you should look at your selection process. Listen, if I get love from him, then I can give love to them. If you wanna know how a marriage works, how a healthy family happens, it's because I get love from him and I give love to them. Here's how I'd say it, listen, is that the best marriages, the best marriage isn't two people pursuing one another. The best marriage begins with two people pursuing Jesus. Because when I meet Jesus, it transforms me. It pulls me out of my sinful nature. Listen, you meet Jesus, you're not gonna be able to stay in an affair. Hear me. If you say, I love Jesus, then you will not be in an affair. Don't mock God like that. Because you're not actually, you, you conceptually love Jesus, but there's not, a, you've actually, Jesus says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. The fruit that you're gonna bear is not an affair. Quote me on that. And what that means is I've disconnected my life from Jesus and I've tried to plant myself in something else and expect to thrive. God will not bless an affair. If you spend time with Christ, it will pull you out of your old way of life. And I got good news for you, you'll actually love it. In the moment you dread it, but once you step out of the darkness into the light, you're like, this is what was possible my whole life. It pulls me out of my old way. It pulls me out of my pride. It pulls me out of all the arguing, the nitpicking, and the critical spirit. It pulls you out of that to become a life-giving person. Why? Because I'm now connected to life. And listen, this applies to you even if you're the one who hasn't drifted. This applies, you need to seek Jesus first, even if you're the one who stayed faithful, even if you're the one and you're watching everybody else drift. Why? Because listen, because some of us have already started to, to buy into plan Bs. We've already given up hope. We've, uh, oh, I guess there's, well, you know, I guess uh, starting to look forward to being single again, right? We've already, we've already given up in our own soul, right? I, I wanna say it like this. I wanna say it like this. Maybe they're the one who had an affair, but you're the one who needs to hear the word of the Lord. You're the one who needs to hear the word of the Lord. Because listen, the Lord might say, hey, listen, they've already broken covenant. 
you're not leaving them, they've already left you. Listen, some of you need to hear that because you're being guilt-tripped by an unfaithful spouse and disdain. See, you made vows to me. They already broke their vows. Are you hearing me? And so the Lord might be saying, hey, they're gonna do it again and do it again. It's time to leave. It's time to make this thing official. Or the Lord might be saying, I'm the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. I'm the God who resurrects dead things and brings them back to life. You need to fight for your marriage. You need to fight for your children. Listen, they're the ones who are drifting, but you're the one who needs to hear the word of the Lord. Because I need to hear, how do I need to put one foot in front of the other to move forward in my life so I'm not stuck here 20 years from now? And listen, this is, this is why, listen, because this is why I, even if I'm not the one who's drifting, why I gotta pursue Jesus, listen. Because I'm not just trying to get that person to come back and love me. That's very self-centered. I want that person to come back and love Jesus. Does that make sense? I'm more concerned for their soul than I am for our family. And I know this, if they get back right with Jesus, then things, if this is okay, then this is gonna start working out. Because what I wanna do is I wanna get in there and make it happen. Listen, especially as a man, I, I'm a great at fixing things. Listen, this is what we do. You ever get in a conversation with a man, like a woman, you try and open up your heart, he's like, well, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do that, and you're like, I, did. I just wanted to share my heart. We just fix things. I wanna fix it with my own strength. I wanna change you. But Zechariah, here's what the Lord says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Some of y'all need to hear this. Listen, not by nitpicking, not by a critical spirit. Come on. Not by, I'm sicking God on you. <laughs> not by, you better come to church with me on Sunday or else. No, we can't do it in our own strength. It's the Lord. The Lord's the only one who can change the heart. We might be able to change some actions, but listen, we can't change the heart. Only God can do that. And so we gotta, we gotta dive head first into Jesus. Fighting, fighting for your family begins with fighting on your knees. And just saying, God, it's not by might, it's not by spirit. I can't do this, I can't change this. You're gonna have to be the one who does it. But God, start in me. Start in me, change me. Give me your eyes, give me your perspective. God, I wanna see my family like you see my family. God, I wanna love my kids like you love my kids. I wanna love my spouse like you love my spouse. I wanna love my parents like you love my parents. God, awaken my heart. And listen, if we put our efforts vertically, then God will empower us horizontally so that reconciliation will actually be possible. And here's the second thing. How, how do we fight for our families? We, we, it begins with me and Jesus. The second thing is this. We, then we fight together. We fight together. See, God told Adam and Eve, right, that they were supposed to have dominion, right, that they were supposed to lock arms, and they were supposed to actually uh, be fruitful and multiply. They were the ones who, are, who were gonna see God's glory cover the earth like the waters cover the seas. But then when the enemy comes in, he divides that. And instead of fighting together, they're fighting at each other. And what we have to do, we have to recapture the vision of what it looks like to lock arms. What would it be like? Just recapture the faith of that. Recapture the hope of that. Some of you are sitting next to each other, but you're miles apart. What would it look like if you left her actually arm in arm fighting against the right enemy? recapturing that vision. Ecclesiastes 4.12, you said at marriages, at weddings, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. They're three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Listen, alone, doing this thing alone, you're gonna get taken out. You and your spouse together is awesome, but when you bring Jesus in, listen, you can have dominion. You can rule together. You can conquer together. You're undefeated together. And so if you're married here and you've drifted apart, it's time to have that conversation. You know the conversation I'm talking about. It's the elephant in the room. It's the one that you both know, if we have this conversation, it's, it's, it's gonna get heated. Is there not a cause? 
is there not a cause? Is it not worth it? Would you rather eke out a passionless existence or have a flare-up, invite Jesus right into the middle of it, fight against the right enemy so you can leave their locking arms moving forward together in a passion-filled, love-filled relationship for the rest of your life? It's worth it. It's worth it. If you are the one who's drifted, maybe you're thinking about leaving right now. There's somebody here who's thinking about leaving. Listen, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And maybe you're looking at that grass, it's really green over there. Let me make you a promise, it's AstroTurf. (laughs) It's all fake. It is not real. Because listen, they got issues too. And your 40% just turned into 67%. So take the low road. Come on, ask for help. You don't know how to have the conversation. Talk to somebody after service. How do I have this conversation? My heart's drifting. Choose your vows. Choose your family. Choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. If you are pursuing the one who's drifted, let me say this somebody has to start the conversation. And here's what I see. I see so many, so many spouses that'll be like, well, they're the one who did that. So they need to, yes, they should. Yes, they should. But clearly they're not in a place to do that. Somebody has to go first. Somebody has to go first. And so what you need to do, you need to pray, say, God, how do I do this? I'm gonna go to Jesus first, all right? <laughs> God, how do I do this? Because I wanna fix it and I wanna tell them everything they've done wrong. I want to get in their face. God, I don't want to just say what you're saying. I want to say it how you're saying it. And, and, and I need to love them the same way that I've been loved. But here's what I'm telling you guys. It's, it's time to have courage. Come on, shoot your shot. Come on. Don't just let them drift into the gray. Somebody's got to go first. Listen, I don't want the call. I don't want the call in six months from now that you've known for the last three years, but you never did anything about it because they, they did it. So they should have gone first. Yes, they should have but you're the one who's closer to the Lord right now. Listen, if you're, if you're in here and you're fighting for your children's heart, authenticity goes a long way. Real conversations go a long way. Listen, you're, our, our kids, <laughs> our kids are going through things right now in the world that we're having a hard time with. And you actually have some maturity. You actually know how to process some things. You're talking about 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old right now, and they're growing up in this mess? Listen, listen, this is not normal. Just so y'all know this. This is not how it's always been. Now, it may continue like this, and so you need to be ready with this, because listen, it's, Jesus is gonna come back at some point. I don't know when, it's looking like tomorrow, but. <laughs> but listen, as parents, we have to help our kids process these things. Your kids are having faith struggles right now because they're glued to social media, right? There's 168 hours every single week, and we try and bring them to church for, for two hours and think that's gonna fix it. Listen, you have to intentionally engage your kids. You have to step in. You get them when we don't, right? And so have the tough conversations. Be willing to have the conversation. Ask me, like, hey, where have I gone wrong? Is there, is there anything? Because listen, you might be telling them to do something that you're, or not do something that you're totally doing, right? I know parents are like, oh, don't, will you talk to my daughter about, you know, she's like dressing, dressing risque, right? When you're sleeping with your boyfriend. You need to talk to your kids, for the sake of their own soul, because there might be a reason that they're drifting. Listen, if you're a child who's pursuing your family, listen, I, 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 I know this, and I want to talk to you for a second. Some of you, maybe you're even online. I know teenagers who come to this church who you're the only one in your family who serves the Lord. You're the only one in your family who loves God. I just want to say this. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. For real. And I pray that the Lord would give you courage, boldness, and wisdom beyond your years on how to love your family the way you've been loved by the Lord. And we have faith with you that you will be a change agent in your family. And listen, wherever you're at, here's what we gotta do in our families. We have to reestablish the right priorities. Okay, listen, because fam- we just drift. It just, it just happens, okay? But here's, it, use, use today as a catalyst to say, hey, 
Um, we're, we, now, we're gonna eat dinner together five nights a week. It's just what we do now. Well, Mom, we, we always just, we just sit in my room and play Xbox and I eat dinner. Like, no, that's, that's what we used to do. We don't do that anymore. Here's what we do. Here's what our family does now. You and your spouse, you go on one date night a week at least. Well, I don't, I don't know how we can afford that. Make peanut butter and jelly, go sit in a park. All right? It's just what we do now. It's just what we do. As a family, we pray together every night before bed. We've never done that before. It's just what we do now. This is who we are. All right? Because what we're going to do is we're going to lock arms and we're going to fight together. Not at each other. With each other. At the right enemy. So we got to go to Jesus first. We got to fight together. And here's the third thing. We got to fight with family with family, right? If there's one thing that this season has revealed, it's that nothing good happens in isolation. Come on, and that's why, that's why my heart goes to you if, if you've been online in this entire season. Listen, for the sake of your soul, nothing good happens in isolation. And you have to intentionally find ways to not be isolated because that's where the drift happens. Because you're just, you're just, just the culture, you're caught up in the culture, the cultural drift. And listen, we're called to fight with family, right? This is what we talked about the first week, spiritual family. Right? These people who, who may be blood, but they may just be your church family. These are your spiritual family that, that you fight with and you fight alongside. And our families are always better when we're around other families who love Jesus. Always, always, always bring your ember into the fire and you'll get hotter. Bring your family and other families who love Jesus and you'll get better. So listen, I'm not telling you that you need to tell everybody every time that you get in an argument. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is there's such a thing as the principle of the path. And your family is on a path. And if you can look at your family and say, we're not on the right path, that's when you pursue Jesus, you try and lock arms. But listen, if, if change isn't happening, you need to open up your circle. You need to say, hey, we need help. And please do not do it on year five. Please do it on day five. Please do it on, on week two. Be like, hey, it's, we've been trying, but it's, it, we just can't get past this. And you have to make a decision in your soul. I'm not just gonna let us drift off into the gray. So don't be embarrassed. Listen, you need to hear this. Don't be embarrassed. Everybody has issues. Come on. Anybody in here never had a family issue? Okay, all right. And listen, if you can't resolve it, invite others to come and speak into it. Listen, uh, I know, there's gonna, even if it makes your spouse upset. Now again, I'm not talking about calling your mom, you're like, we had no argument six, six seconds ago, right, you know? No, listen, don't call your parents. <laughs> call your spiritual family, all right? Because your parents love you and they're gonna attack, you're gonna kill your husband. Um, <laughs> So here's what you need to do. Listen, you need to get in a small group. You do. That may be your next step, victoryatl.com, right? We got married small groups, right? Some of you are like, hey, I'm the only one who's fighting. Well, get in a women's small group. Get in a men's small group for a time, for a season, until, until you can lock arms and are willing to step into a married small group. Um, some of you, you're gonna have the opportunity to talk to a prayer leader here in a few minutes, you know, at, at the end of service. Um, the other thing is we've actually uh, created a, a page on our website full of resources, okay? It's, you can write this down, victoryatl.com slash marriage help, slash marriage help, all right? And what, what is on this page is, it's a video from our marriage pastors, Matt and Angel Rigsby. Um, it has the resources that are available right now, all the way through, you know, from like, hey, we do a monthly, um, kind of like a live stream thing on Facebook, um, all the way to there's marriage intensive retreats, Depends on where your marriage is at right now and what sort of help um, that you need. And so I can't encourage you enough. Some of y'all need to send that to somebody who's going through some issues right now. Um, and here's what I'd say. Here, here's, here's the last thing. Is we fight, you know, um, begins with me and Jesus. We fight together. We fight with family. And then we fight with prayer. That's what we do. And so what we're gonna do right now, we're actually gonna do that. All right, we're gonna pray for a few minutes. And so here's what I ask you to do. Let's go ahead and stand up to our feet. Um, and this is how we fight our battles. 
okay? And so let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you that you care about the family. God, I thank you that you care about names, that you care about individuals, that you care about moms and dads and husbands and wives. You care about children, you care about parents, you care about relationships, you care about siblings. God, you care about our souls. God, you actually care about the things that matter. <laughs> and so help us to be most passionate about the things that matter the most. God, rescue us out of complacency today and put this in our soul. Is there not a cause? So right now, here's what I do. I come against condemnation. Right now, I come against a condemnation that says you've wasted too much time that wants to bury you in regret, that wants to say, hey, you've wasted these years. You, you, you can never start again. There's too much water underneath the bridge. Right now, I come against that condemnation in the name of Jesus. There's no better time to start than right now, than right now. I come against the condemnation that says you are hopeless and that your family is hopeless. And right now, God, I pray for an infusion of hope that says what's impossible with man is possible with God. God, I come against the condemnation that says your past determines your future and that you've made these mistakes in the past and that's just who you are. God, I thank you that you're the God of new beginnings. And let's say this together. Come on, let's say this together. That God start the work in me. Say it together. God start the work in me. God, I know that we wanna run and we don't wanna go fix things and we're just angry at stuff. We're just, we're bitter, we're offended. Some of us are jaded, some of us have drifted. There's so many things that happen. God start the work in me. What I wanna do, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna pray right now. I wanna, some of you just need to say, hey, I've drifted from God. <laughs> but today I'm coming back home. Some of you need to say, I choose Jesus today. Today I lay down my idolatry. I confess that I am not God, but I've tried to be God. I've tried to get everything on my own terms. I've tried to, to find my own pleasure. I've tried to make my own way. But God today is bringing me home. God today, start the work in me. And so I wanna lead you in a prayer even right now. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus Christ, you are the son of God who died on the cross to forgive my sins and make me new. And so right now, I repent. I say, I'm sorry. I turn from my way and my sin, my idolatry. I lay it down. I lay down the evil. I lay down the dark to go your way. Today, I choose Jesus, Jesus Christ, is my Lord and he is my savior. I bow my knee to Jesus. Come and make me a new person. In Jesus' name, In Jesus' name. God, I thank you. I thank you for new beginnings. God, I thank you for making us new people. And even right now, as the scriptures say, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And what we have to do sometimes, listen, we have to take our thoughts captive. And I wanna give us an opportunity to do that. What the scriptures actually say is we need to take our wicked thoughts captive and bring them into submission to the obedience of Christ. You are not captive. You are not a prisoner to your thought life. Jesus Christ can be Lord over your thoughts as well. And so listen, some of you are having thoughts of leaving your family. Submit that. Just say, I take that thought and I submit that to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus, now that's your thought. I give that to you. I put it at the cross. Some of you are having thoughts of an affair. Say, I take those thoughts, sex, thoughts of sexual morality. I take those thoughts, I give them to Jesus. Some of you are, feel like you've just been trapped in hopelessness and depression since whatever that event was. And right now, I give those thoughts of depression, I give those thoughts of hopelessness, and I give them to the cross of Christ. And right now, come, come on, God, come and breathe hope. God, breathe life. God, cause a, God, cause a righteous fight to come up on the inside of us. God, to fight for the things that actually matter. In fact, I, I, I wanna just say this. Some of, you say, some of you need to say, this message is so resonating with me and you just need to make a statement. If you say today, I'm gonna fight for my family, and very specifically, I'm gonna fight for my family, I want you to raise your hand. 
Some of you, this is a big deal because you're sitting next to the person that you've drifted from. Or maybe right now you're sitting next to the person that you're fighting for. Come on, in faith, just say, God, I, I, I'm gonna fight for my family, fighting for my kids, fighting for my kids' hearts, fighting for my parents' hearts, I'm fighting for my husband's heart, I'm fighting for my wife's heart, fighting for my family, God, fighting for my siblings. And so right now, God, I rebuke the devil off of the family in Jesus' name. I rebuke the spirit of divorce coming against the family in Jesus' name. The spirit of rebellion, God, we come against that in Jesus' name. And what God has joined together, let no man separate it. Let no woman separate it. Let no affair separate it. Let no judge separate it. Let no divorce papers separate it. Let no lust separate it. Let no pride separate it. What God has joined together will be one in Jesus' name. God, right now we claim our children's hearts in Jesus' name, that our children belong to the Lord. We call them back in, God. We call our kids into the kingdom in Jesus' name. And here's what we know, it's not by might, it's not by my strength that my family will be saved because the battle is the Lord's and He will give the victory. And He will give the victory. And he will give the victory. Listen, I pray this over you, that the Lord would bless you. He would bless your families. He would bless you. He would keep you. He would keep your children. He would make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That he'd lift up his countenance on you. And he would give you shalom. A deep peace. Bathing peace, an overwhelming peace to come upon you and that the Lord's blessing would rest upon you and your families forevermore. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Here's what we're gonna do, okay, is the band's gonna lead us in that song. This is a number six song, okay? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this isn't for everybody, but I feel like some of you need to make a statement. There's a handful of individuals out here for your own reason. There are a handful of couples out here for your own reason. Some of you actually need to step out of your seat you come down here to the front because that's an, this is a statement. Some of you need to make a statement. There's a family we're gonna fight. This is, be, this is between you and the Lord, you and, your, you and your spouse, whatever that is, that while this song's being played, allow this song to be sung over your family. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.